Hello and welcome to Muppet Stational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 1, Episode 11, starring the indefatigable Lena Horne. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Yay! Yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis. I'm Jade. And I'm Emma. And we are here to discuss another episode, and I'm, I don't want to, you know... Uh, lean the vote already a very good episode of the muppet show <laughs> yeah it's really what a joy very very strong episode i think i'm looking forward to chatting about it definitely so say we all jade why don't you kick us off with a little production information i shall indeed so this as i mentioned with our last episode this episode was actually broadcast the week before the harvey corman episode so it was broadcast on the 31st of october 1976 halloween Wonderful. Um, <laughs> the production code lists it as the 11th episode made and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode 11. As with all of the other episodes after the two pilot runs, it was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. Quick question. All right, everybody. It's October 31st, 1976. Who are each of you dressing up for for Halloween Oof. from 1976 relevant pop culture? I mean, I feel like if all of us don't answer with some form of Star Wars things, we're probably lying to ourselves, aren't we? Ah, da, 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 da. that's the following year. That's 1977, isn't it? Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Jaws. Jaws was 75. <gasps> so you're going as Jaws? No, 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 no. Sorry, <laughs> probably not. I hate Jaws. Um... <laughs> Um, Jaws is terrifying. I watched that movie, I think, once, and I was scared to get in the shower. (laughs) God, Lewis, I wasn't that scared of it. I just, like, oh, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it that much. It's the water, okay? (laughs) Can I just say I'd go as someone from ABBA? Does that count? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you could do ABBA, I think. Are you going to be Agnita, or what's the other one? No, I'm going to be Agnita. (laughs) 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 I'm not, but no. Uh, the other one is called Frida Jade. Frida. For God's sake. Sorry, sorry, Abba fans. <laughs> sorry, Frida's not as fun to say as Agnita. Come on, give me yeah, like, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, her full name is technically Anna Freed. But anyway, so Emma, you're going as a member of that. I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fabulous. <laughs> Jade, what are you going as? mid-70s. It's... Unfortunately, we're a few years too early for any of us to go as Charlie's Angels, because I'd go as Jacqueline Smith <laughs> before she had her line at Kmart. <laughs> Has made her a millionaire. <laughs> a Star is Born, the Streisand version is 76, but it didn't come out till the December, so you're too you're too early for that as well. You could just go as the Judy one. <laughs> <laughs> just, just take it all the way back. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, if Muppets had been on for the best part of a month or whatever by then maybe i would have been inspired although there's not that many female characters that have have really come out of you know onto their own at this point yet are there maybe i'd have just gone as kermit (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i'd love to see you as kermit (laughs) (laughs) what about you lewis then who are you saying i'd go as elizabeth sladen as sarah jane smith 
in Doctor Who. <laughs> That's who I would go up. I'd put on a brunette wig and some like cute yellow like Mac and some like <laughs> like a little a little mini skirt and maybe convince another friend of mine to dress up as a Dalek. That's what I would do. <laughs> Because anything else that I can think of that's campy in 1970s doesn't exist yet. So I can't be Jacqueline Smith in Charlie's Angels. I can't be Princess Leia. Um, Grease doesn't come out till 78. So we can't oh, even be Pink Lady. So I can't even... You can't be Jan. <laughs> I would never be Jan. I would be Rizzo or a Frenchie. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> Although I do have Marty aspects to me, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, do you, Lewis? Ah, all right. I'm joking, <laughs> joking, only teasing. <laughs> After Vince Fontaine tried to slip an aspirin into my coke at the dance. <laughs> come on, come on, lady with a baby. I do have a Frenchy wig somewhere. I don't know where that's got to. Hell surprise. <laughs> <laughs> There's a slightly awkward story uh, between Emma and I for Greece where when we were at secondary school. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> they put on a school production of Greece. Emma auditioned for which part was it, Emma? I can't remember. It's what it's one of the pink ladies. She unfortunately didn't get it. However, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> there was a hierarchy, damn it, Emma. You were you were. It wasn't fair. But uh, one of the other actors had to drop out, and my drama teacher, despite the fact that I was in year nine bumped me up to be one of the leads but we then realised had Emma have gotten the part we would have had to play romantic partners <laughs> so Emma it was actually a blessing in disguise so there wasn't like a monochrome Ross situation going on like, yeah I mean... exactly <laughs> oh that's funny God always has a plan <laughs> Anyway, to get back to the point, Emma, <laughs> why don't you give us uh, some information about this week's guest host? Yeah, so um, Lena Horne is a singer, dancer, actress. Um, she's been on film, TV, Broadway, touring. She's won Grammys. Again, she was another studio starlet and she had a seven year movie deal with MGM. And also, she played Glinda in the film The Wiz. She's iconic. Absolutely. Although, unfortunately, MGM did treat her quite terribly from what I've sort of read up on her. So she was signed to a seven-year deal and she was cast in films. But often the parts that she was given in these films were usually in these kind of like ensemble musicals they would do where they would have a big roster of stars like... Judy Garland, Gene Kelly, uh, you know, whoever else you can think of. But they'd all be doing just individual unrelated numbers. It'd be kind of more like a Follies. It'd be like movies like Everybody Sings or Till the Clouds Roll By. And they would often cut Lena's numbers for a number of states that basically did not want to see an African-American woman on screen. Mm -hmm. It was just this kind of riled up groundswell of racial tension mm -hmm. and, well, just racism. And so rather than trying to combat that, the studio would just only use her in a part that they knew they could cut her out and still make a yeah. profit from the movie, which is quite appalling, to be honest. Mm. And it left, uh, Lena has kind of quite often talked about her displeasure at that sort of period of her life. Well, I was just going to say, she was in a lot of the... Um... You know, things like Stormy Weather and Cabin in the Sky, you know, mm. famous black musicals yes. with predominantly black casts. So I think I'm not disputing 
I, you know, I can imagine that what's been made public of her treatment of MGM is probably a very sanitized version of what she actually experienced mm. working for the studio. But, um, you know, she is completely iconic and a very, very important figure in Hollywood movie history as well. You know, she was absolutely part of a very small group. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> it's taken a very long time for for black stars to, to get to the level that they arguably still are not on the same... We don't have the same plethora of black stars as we do white mm, stars. Um, but yeah, she's she is completely iconic. And she's... A trailblazer. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I don't know what you two both thought, but I... I think maybe she's got the best voice that we've heard so far on The Muppet Show. Yeah. Do you know what I, I agree. Like, mm. maybe it's the combination... I don't know if it's the combination of her song choices... Mm-hmm. Yeah. ...and her voice that really just spoke to her strengths. Maybe because she was, after being a film star, did a lot of... Well, before she became a film star, she was a nightclub singer. And then she went back to that kind of, like, touring... Yeah. ...sort of singer life. So maybe she just knew precisely what songs she wanted to bring rather than, you know, maybe with Connie Stevens, they were like, hey, do you want to sing Teenager in Love? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> Gee <course>. whiz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got my poodle skirt. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll just get out my poodle skirt now. <laughs> it's in the trunk. <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> what, this old thing? <laughs> Just brushed, like brushing the cobwebs off it, like that. It's still good. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting the way that they actually use the Muppet performers' voices alongside her. Some of the sort of chorus work seemed so traditional, very sort of old school musical, cl- very classical Hollywood musical mm. style. But then I thought it was also really interesting that she actually got to duet with Gonzo, Kermit, and Fozzie. Well, I suppose the last one wasn't a duet; it was a. <laughs> What's, what's that word, Lewis? I'm guessing it's not a triet. Um, oh, um, well, it's just a trio, is it? I don't a know. trio. I don't think there we go. I was I making, don't, it I too, don't even know. making it too complicated. Anyway, duet and a trio. There we go. You know, she got to sing in that way with the Muppets, which, again, have we seen that so far? Because I don't really think we have. No, not as yet. I don't think we have, to be fair. So I think that's sort of amazing, too, because not only did she... Obviously, she was showing off her pipes, but she was working with the Muppeteers in a different way than we've kind of seen so far instead of them just backing a singer up. So yeah, very exciting. Yeah, I think it's time for us to dive into the episode. Let's do it. Yeah, so then we go into the the Rag Mops song, which um, (laughs) (laughs) was quite random, but quite fun, but also was a bit like, wait a minute, that really is just some sticks with some like (laughs) crazy material stuck (laughs) on the back. How dare you? They were little cheerleader pom-poms. <laughs> little cheerleader pom-poms. I think the guy in the front was an actual puppet, but then everyone was just a stick with a nose or some eyes. <laughs> I think there was a couple other mouths maybe further back, but yeah, I think you're right, Emma. The majority of them were sort of uh, mop extras. <laughs> I know, and I like the fact that they said, oh, it's George's favourite act. Yeah. Like George the Janitors. <laughs> it's a bunch of singing He mops. discovered them. That's what he they said. They said them. George discovered them, which I just have visions of George opening a closet somewhere in the back of the Benny Vandergrass theatre and just finding this ragtag group of mops that are just constantly singing and dancing. And he's like, hey, these guys are great. This is why I'm in show business. (laughs) (laughs) A star is broom. Oh, no. (laughs) A star is broom. (laughs) 
as soon as I heard the song, it I didn't recognise it. I don't know if you two knew it, but I could just tell it must have been like a hit in the 50s. It just had that vibe of like the twist or something where you can just imagine that it was huge for like one hot summer and everyone was dancing to it and going crazy. And then it was the get lucky of 1952. Exactly. <laughs> there was a run on mops that year. <laughs> it's when you find out it was sponsored by like, Unilever or something. It was like part of a marketing campaign to get everyone to buy a new mop. Yeah, like Monesto or something, or whatever they were called. <laughs> Chemicals and mops. <laughs> and rides at Disneyland. <laughs> what more can you want? <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really exciting way to start the episode. Like it was completely mental, but it was really, really good fun. And I thought the considering that actually it was just essentially mops on sticks in the background I thought it was really clever how they managed to infuse all of it with so much energy and character's not the right word but there was like a vibrancy to it it did kind of pop and come alive you know for something that's really quite simple very very effective I thought yeah I agree I saw the three words I wrote down were chaotic fun and simple Mm -hmm. and I think it, it it simultaneously felt very like shaggy and 1970s, but then using a song that's probably from the 50s-ish, we're guessing. I know what you mean. I sort of recognised it, but not quite. But then it also harkens back to that kind of classic MGM musical thing where inanimate objects become dance partners. Do you know what I mean? It's like Fred Astaire dancing with a broom or a lamp or a, yeah. a hat stand. And that kind of magic that comes with basically just bopping around a long <laughs> stick with some sort of bit on the top that that really does kind of, it's charming, but it's got this Muppet edge where they're a bit more like loosey-goosey and shaggy. I didn't think it was the most like immaculately puppeteered by the very nature of their pom-pom hair, it did sometimes get a bit messy and a bit lost. But I can't say I didn't laugh every time you got like four mops in the far background just bop their way along the back of the screen, just like a little crowd going by. It, you, you can't help but love it. However, compared to the rest of the episode, I've got to say, it then for me became not a weak link, but actually compared to what we then see coming later... That could go in an episode that needs it. Do you know what I mean? Because this episode has so much going for it that actually chuck this one in, uh, what was the name of the guy we watched last week? Harvey Corman. Give that to Harvey Corman. They need it. (laughs) I know. I sort of worked out because um, every time we watch one of them, I write down like all the sketches and songs. And on the episodes where they're quite terrible, (laughs) there is literally like more. There's more because obviously it's kind of like a filler, loads of random throwaway sketches. Whereas with this one, there's like a shorter amount of sketches and songs, but they're really high quality. And like, as you said, Lou, it's a really, it is a really good episode. And even the runner, <gasps> which, you know, it's been up and down like a roller coaster, you have to say these past few episodes. It was amazing. Like the whole setup of it with Kermit and then Piggy and then Piggy thinking that Kermit's saying to her that he didn't want her to overshadow Lena so she's not going to sing and she literally like buys it and it's so funny and yeah this is the piggy I've been waiting for yeah oh it was a joy to see her suddenly fully formed and fabulous and 
self-involved, but also not too like lusty after Kermit, where she's like desperate and at the same time incredibly violent and angry, like and jealous. It was oh it was great. It was so good. It was really lovely, and I'm very happy to talk about it in far more detail than just that. But my one thing that sort of just raised an eyebrow, I guess, at the very start was she came backstage to Kermit and sort of said, oh, I'm not doing my song this week. And there seemed to be the assumption there that she'd done her, like, her doing a song was the same as, like, Fozzie doing his stand-up routine, when obviously we've never seen Piggy do a song yet on the show. And that just made me, it just made me pause a second because I was just like, oh, I'm guessing that means hopefully very soon we are going to see Piggy do a number in the traditional Miss Piggy sense of the term. But we haven't seen that yet. And I thought it was a little bit interesting that there was this runner that she's not doing a song when we haven't seen her do a song yet. Because it's like, well, yeah, you're not doing a song, love. Like, you've never done a song. Like, that's not, you know, half the time you're Richard Hunt and we can't even, we don't even know who you are. So, you know, but I loved the characterization and I really, I really liked how it grew through the episode and especially how it brought in Scooter at the end. Like, it, like the fact that it took another Muppet for Piggy to realise that she'd put words into Kermit's mouth that he'd never, ever said. It was very, very good fun. For somebody who has been too caught up in Muppet continuity sometimes. For example, who is this Muppet clone Juliet Prowse? And <laughs> where will she live now? The fact that Piggy asked the question, will I do my song this week, did not even <laughs> cross my mind as a problem. <laughs> Didn't think about it for a second. I just sort of thought, all right. <laughs> yeah, like... Well, I guess from the point of view of now, we know that Piggy's going to be doing songs at some point, don't we? So it's not, for us now, it's not, necessarily out of context for her to be asking that and it's a very traditional Muppet setup that Piggy is vying for screen time with the host or with another female star so that does all feel totally in keeping but yeah I suppose because we're doing the podcast and everything I was just sort of tuned into like hang on a second we haven't seen Piggy do a song yet why is she so upset that she's not got to do one you've never got to do one did anybody else get totally thrown by seeing that dog randomly come down the steps backstage. I did. I I mean, I thought we were going into the dressing room with Muppy, but I think it was actually because you saw that after the first song. No, 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 no. No? Before Lena's song, that dog comes down the stairs and walks out of shot. Oh, so then does and it come, like, does it come, it comes back up the stairs? Yeah, but, but, but then it runs yeah, yeah. onto the set for mm-hmm. Lena's song. But before you get to that song, I was like, who the hell was that dog? And I was like, <laughs> it was actually like this bizarre detail. I thought I was watching Twin Peaks or something. I was like, who's that? What's happening? I love the implication that Muppy is coming from the guest's dressing room and we see Muppy going down and up, which therefore suggests that Muppy is in fact the real star of this show. Like, <laughs> Maybe he's the reason it's called The Muppet Show. <laughs> Emma, what were you going to say? No, Sorry. I was just going to say he is like heavily used <laughs> throughout this episode. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know who owns the dog, but I mean, <laughs> are they getting money for his screen time? Like... <laughs> Not, oh, I don't know, not in the probably 70s, not. to be honest. Probably not. He's probably like the studio dog and then like, let's use him in a number. Um, I did I did want to ask on Muppy, though, our recurring segment of did Peter notice? <laughs> did, did Peter notice the Muppy going from real to 
Muppet to real again? Unfortunately, uh, Peter did not watch this week's episode. Oh, because, Lewis! Because he was at work. <laughs> he was doing his, his job. And I was sitting at home watching The Muppet Show because neither of my jobs still exist yet. So <laughs> that was my day. I was like, I'm doing important work with my notepad and my pen watching a <laughs> puppet television show. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you'll just have to play him that little snippet and report back to us of whether he pays any attention to it. <laughs> oh, I'll make him watch every episode. He doesn't get a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I'm so sorry. I know you are listening because I also know that Lewis makes you listen to every single episode. <laughs> he he listens off his own. No, he just knows that you're gonna you're gonna be onto him if he doesn't listen. Do you know it's taken me till today to get Rich to listen, and he said he listened to about ten minutes, and then he was like, "Oh, and then I finished what I was doing," and I was like, "Okay." And then this afternoon he wasn't doing anything, and I was like, "Oh, you could have listened." He was like, "Yeah, I could have." I was like, "Great, thanks." So supportive. So well done, Peter. Peter listens off his own volition and posts about it online. And even Peter's mum has listened to it a couple of times. <laughs> and she doesn't even watch the Muppet Show. Oh, thanks, Peter's mum. <laughs> thanks, Jay. <laughs> well, shall we dive into the I Got a Name Lena Horn first number at the railroad with, yes, with Muppy and many other Muppets that I could find no real relation between why they were all there? <laughs> I was just glad they weren't the Hick Muppets. Yep, Do you know what I mean? Point. They would have. Oh yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> the Hick Muppets were definitely somewhere along that railroad. Railroad? God, doing an Emma with a well, with a whack. Well, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along that railroad. You sounded like me then. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Can you tell it's nearly nine o'clock in the evening and I'm like starting to wind down slightly? <laughs> Jade, put the wine away, please. We're trying to record. <laughs> if only, Lewis, if only. I can't even blame it on that. <laughs> Speaking of the railway or the railroad. Whichever. What a beautiful set for that one number. It was gorgeous. It looked like something from an old like movie musical. It was really pretty. It was, and... I don't know if it's just me, but I really felt like the way that Lena kind of played it, it felt very Hollywood musical. She never directly looked into the camera. She always had their like far away look to the like... Middle distance. Yes, the middle distance. I literally wrote, I was like, I'm sure this has called something because she did it the whole number. She was so professional. She literally did like middle distance (laughs) all the way through. Jade, it's what my friend Emily Miller always used to uh, take the piss out of and call the stagecoach look. Oh, Oh, I'm sure I've done it then. Yeah, a group of 30 kids singing into the middle distance earnestly. (laughs) She said... (laughs) Because she never went, but she said every time she looked at a brochure as a kid, she was like, where are they all looking? (laughs) It was though, wasn't it? I'm not, I don't want to take, sorry, I don't want to take away from it, but I just did think that the whole time. She had a really piercing gaze. Like her eyes were incredible. Sometimes almost verging on alarming, but mostly amazing in that first number. Emma, did she remind you of Anne Miller? Yes. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Especially because... Do you remember, I think when she's in um, Easter Parade mm. and then when you see that documentary she does where she's like, I had a broken rib, but I kept going. And <laughs> Yeah, it's her sort of wide open mouth and her sort of quite small yeah. eyes and the way the cheekbones sit on her. She just sort of had a slight, I don't know, I just got Anne Miller. <laughs> I found her, her middle distance, I found her a bit glassy eyed. 
I was a little bit, I was a little bit perturbed by it, to be honest. I got it only in that number. I did sort of wonder, oh, is that a little... uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the other ones, it was fine. But yeah, in that one, I did get a slight... I don't want to say barbiturate, but I mean, like, yes. look, MGM was probably popping pills to everybody. I literally wanted to be like, Lena, Lena, are you there? <laughs> Lena, hello, <laughs> hello. Like, like there's like this somebody slightly off camera, like jangling some keys. <laughs> like, a... <laughs> like a little baby. It's like one of those cat laser things. Just like, get, follow it, follow it. <laughs> But I, oh, I'm so glad it wasn't just me though, because I, I was like, what? I'm, I'm sure this is something. She's not blinking. She's staring off to the distance. I actually, it made me a little bit worried because although, so I looked up the song because I didn't really recognise it, and she actually did a cover of it in 1975, so it was one of her songs. So I guess maybe this was just a very traditional way potentially for her to perform it in a very sort of serious and sincere manner. Mm. But it did. The sort of the whiplash of going from the the mops to the start of the piggy runner to this, I was a bit like, oh, like what? Where is this episode going? But all of her other numbers, she seemed to be, and and also her little skits and sketches and things, she seemed to be much more comfortable with. Yes. But this, there was something with this that I was, it didn't all click for me. I thought her voice sounded amazing. I thought like the, as you said, Lewis, the staging and the set and everything were really lovely, but. There was something with her stagecoach eyes that made me just a bit like. <laughs> Should okay. put in a little disclaimer: stagecoach were not giving us pharmaceuticals to give us that far away look. <laughs> they, um, I mean, I don't, I don't remember, but honestly, those those heady Saturday mornings, Lewis, like, <laughs> who knows? It felt very nineteen seventies. The the moment yes. that they had the um it was the mid shot of her like singing and then the slow fade mm. and then the slow cross fade into a close up of her face from a side angle mm. and you see both at the same time felt so nineteen seventies to me like I kind of loved it yeah I really liked her outfit though her like denim kind of like almost kimono esque jacket some stunning outfits on yeah. Lena Horne this week yes absolutely every single scene almost. It was a different number. It was she great. Did. She she definitely brought, I'm guessing, her own very accomplished costume designer <laughs> because compared to some of the other outfits we've had recently, she knocked it out of the park. I have to assume those are a number of her nightclub yeah. dresses. Yeah. It's like Marlena Dietrich. She used to keep all of her gowns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after we had the um chicken suit <laughs> with Harvey Corman, I can't imagine that they sprung for some... <laughs> Nice clothes. So. I mean, season one Muppet Show was definitely a bring your own situation, wasn't it? There's no way that they were that they were like, so Miss Horn, what designer would you like us to commission a gown for you in? No, hell no. Bring your own. Bring it over on the plane. Done. Yeah, yeah definitely. And then we went into um, Muppets News Flash. Well, before we went to Muppet News Flash, we did have another bit of backstage. I know we've slightly talked about oh, it, yeah, but course. Piggy's, this was again another moment where I was like, oh, Piggy's really coming into her own where she's got like the heaving bosom and her lying herself the across the was, table. The had a mind of its own, didn't it? It did. It was convulsing. It was, it was like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a Muppet move like that. What was like... <laughs> <laughs> It was like the chest burster from Alien was about to pop out. <laughs> like it's just... 
that's a different direction. It's still a puppet. It's true. <laughs> An alarming puppet. But it was, again, it was just brilliant. And then the way that she just like tossed it off at the end, like, oh, okay. And then just like bounced off. It was great. But yeah, I just wanted to give note to, mainly to Piggy's heaving bosom. <laughs> so just... She also threw herself on the table at one point, which yeah. I oh, really enjoyed. Backwards. <laughs> yes. I just love Piggy in this episode. She's so good. <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't thrown themselves backwards onto a table to try and get what they want? I don't know. Like, Please give me the part. <laughs> so I'm auditioning for like a one grand McDonald's commercial. I have to be like dumb and horny for a new Big Mac or something. <laughs> Become an actor, kids. Lewis is actively looking for work if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he's on Twitter, Instagram. He's Shut in the game up. Justice, whatever it is, League. Zack Snyder's Justice League, Emma. I played teenage boy and I only filmed it four and a half years ago. So it's <laughs> still went to the top of the CV. Teenage boy, Lewis Chandler, 2021. I can disappoint him in person instead. <laughs> anyway, Emma, you were saying Muppet News Flash? <laughs> Slide seamlessly into Muppet's News Flash. Oh, no, it was good to see our little reporter friend again. And um, I did wonder whether we were going to have another accent showcase, but we didn't. Yeah, we did. She didn't really do that much of an accent, did she? Yeah, she was doing a southern accent. Was she? she? Do you know what? I realised that I... Because, Jade, to your credit, you always watch the episode twice. I I watch it once. And this was the first time we'd heard (laughs) Lena talk. So to be fair... I was just like, maybe that's her voice. No, 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 and then no, no, when we no. got to her later on, I just didn't clock the difference. The, the the talk spot, she didn't have the southern twang. In the news flash, she absolutely had a southern twang. Oh. So it was it was accent showcase. Maybe not as much as some of the other ones we've seen, but it, it totally, totally was still accent showcase work. So yeah. I was just checking out her lovely neckerchief. <laughs> There was a gorgeous, like, Hermes scarf going on. Like, you could only see the very top of it. I was like, ooh. (laughs) I wasn't really paying attention to the sketch itself, to be honest. Were you like, go to the wide, go to the wide. I don't want to just see her in this little fake TV screen. (laughs) Me in the news gallery, the Muppet News Gallery. (laughs) That would not be a safe environment for the newsman if you were in the news gallery, Lewis. Could you not make it sound like I'm some sort of predator, okay? (laughs) Like, I'm not like Matt Lauer with like a button I press that locks the door behind me when Muppet Newsreader walks into my office. Like, so I can, so I can lay my hands seductively on his flat nose. Muppet version of the morning show with Lewis Chandler. Why would it need to be a Muppet version? Reese Witherspoon is already wearing a joke of a wig. Like, all all it's missing is some googly eyes anyway. Oh, I went there. I love the fact that we're recording this like in the evening and it's definitely got a different tone to it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally loopy. <laughs> we're all mental. After dark. Like... <laughs> we're going to have to put a disclaimer on this one. Like we vaguely talk about the Muppets, maybe. Um... <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so she did do Accent Showcase and the joke about the tide coming in two times a day. She goes in and out with the tide on her seaweed diet. I was like... Okay, just the only thing. Like, the only bit I liked was then Muppet Newsreader's sort of little button on the end of that, which was like, "That's hard to do in Kentucky." And I was like, "Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was quite. That was good. That was good." He's a very charming man, Muppet Newsreader. <laughs> See, and you're saying that I can't 
make you out to be somewhat obsessed with him. I was leaning into it, all right, for comic effect. <laughs> I know. I mean, to be fair, I guess that as a whole sketch was still miles better than this week's ballroom sketch, which something I that found... desperately needs to oh. lean in for comic effect. To be honest, like... <laughs> and also they had another explosion. Yes. <laughs> what is it with the being at the dance that they need an explosion? I told you they had all that explosive gelatin that they suddenly realised had a sell like a use by day. Use by day. Yeah, they were like, oh crap! <laughs> like, just put it in everyone. They couldn't do it around Lena. They worried it would spook like a deer (laughs) come too sharply back into focus and run off i think it's a bit like what you were saying earlier emma about when the episode's not great there's more little sketches because they just try to pack it with filler to me the explosions are just a bit of a fail safe for the muppets like if you're not sure what to do you're not sure how to end a sketch the puns aren't really working you know the puns aren't really working just chuck an explosion at the end and hopefully that'll at least get a laugh even if nothing else has so I, that's that's the way I kind of see them, especially with the ballroom. I did laugh at the two little background mops who had got themselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They were just like, look, if we just dance in the background, we could be in two numbers. <laughs> I just love the idea of you. <laughs> it's like when you try and shuffle into like, <laughs> it's what I would try and do is try and shuffle into <laughs> other shots or other scenes just to like have more stage time. Bizarre chest joke that felt very un-Muppets. About the, my aunt has a chest from the 1700s. That must be very hard on your uncle. I was like, ugh. Yeah, I also just don't quite get it. Like, are you saying that she's got, like, a decrepit... Is it? Is it really meant to be... Like, is it meant to be that kind of conjuring of an image? That literal? Or is it just like, oh, she's old? Because, I don't know, it's just it's just not a good joke, but... I'm not sure, but it it, it felt very un-Muppety. Mm-hmm. I don't really associate innuendo with the Muppets. Like that feels a different energy to a pun or to a sight Mm. gag. You know, like an actual sort of innuendo. Like I would never think of the Muppets as like seaside postcard humour, where it's still technically like family friendly, loosely. But it's that kind of naughtier, cheekier thing. I just, that doesn't feel right for them. No, I agree. It is weird when you hear a little bit, a little bit of innuendo. They're just, just a bit more wholesome aren't they even if they are madcap and energetic and chaotic and whatever like it comes from a place of wholesomeness it's naivety yeah Yeah, they're they're toddlers they're like angry rambunctious sort of overexcited performative toddlers then they're not lewd yes which is another reason i think again why that the muppets docu whatever you want to call it docu sitcom Mo- oh, it, was a, it was like a mockumentary, wasn't it? Mockumentary, that's it. Like, yeah. I don't want the Muppets to be dating. Like, <laughs> either they're chased or they're married. Like, I don't need Fozzy Bear dating a human woman. Like, who asked for this? <laughs> <sighs> the UK spot this week, well, I assume it was the UK spot. It Rolf was. and Zoot just jamming by the piano. I mean... I don't think you could slap filler onto <laughs> this any more. Do you know what I mean? It was just like an instrumental. It's actually the theme from Love Story. Great. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was very famous cool. at the time, Lewis. It was very famous at the time. Yeah, but like that'd be like a show in 1998 pausing to play My Heart Will Go On. Like, it's still filler. It's popular filler, but it's still filler. I'm haunted by that song as well. 
why are you fine. haunted by it? My heart will go on haunts me because oh, oh I thought you I meant thought the you song from Love Story. story. Yeah, no, it's like this is this is a story. You've never told me you've watched Love Story, let alone have some sort of painful memory associated with it. No, sorry, I should have been more clear. I'm haunted by my heart will go on because it just reminds me of school discos. And then at the very end, when they would do the song where it's like, and all the couples can come to the floor now. And they used to play My Heart Will Go On. And I literally can't listen to the song because it haunts me. <laughs> because of slow dancing. Yes. <laughs> like that sort of child distance slow dancing where your hands are like as far as they can stretch from the other person. You just step from so side awkward. to side. What everybody needs during year six discos is Dr. Teeth arms that actually extend. That would like make everyone that much more comfortable, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think at that point I was too busy out in like the corridor from the school disco, like spending my one pound or fifty p on like those little bags yeah you of were sweets and just getting entirely <laughs> off my face. That my mum yeah. spent ages putting together. So thank you for buying them, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I remember your mum used to do them, and then when they used to have the little panda pops as well, didn't they? Oh yes. <laughs> oh panda pops. No, I remember them just pouring them from like big two liter bottles. Not even like in- that was probably the change between when my mum became treasurer. We probably probably went from like buying individual <laughs> ones that were more expensive to my mum being like hell no we're gonna buy a two liter bottle and we're gonna just give them a cup <laughs> tracy that pta treasurer just count them coins thrifty <laughs> as hell <laughs> we love it. we stand a thrifty queen we love you tracy <laughs> going directly opposite from a child school disco what this sketch reminded me of and why am i telling this anecdote i don't know it reminds me of one time being very <laughs> drunk after doing a script reading in 2016. And we had done it at the so-and-so art centre. And then we'd gone for a drink at a bar. And then we went on to the Groucho Club and got more drunk. And then, I don't even know where it is. We went to this bizarre basement jazz bar in Chinatown. Oh, Ronnie Scott's? No, it was not Ronnie Scott. Okay. No, because it wasn't on that same street. It was like this rough, like tiled, kind of dank place. And right in the corner was this like 70, 80 year old man who was dressed in like a black overcoat and like fingerless gloves and a little hat on. And he was smoking indoors. (laughs) It was 2016. (laughs) And he had this keyboard that he would just play and basically they sort of told you you can request any (coughs) song from this man and he will be able to play it and he could like i was like coming out with the most like trying to think both like chet baker stuff from the 50s but then like modern stuff as well and he played it without any sheet music he could just do it i remember about 20 minutes from that evening and i've never been able to find that place again it didn't exist it doesn't sound like it did exist ever. <laughs> it was dank. Like, it was bizarre. One of my friends ended up so drunk she was falling asleep. Not at the chair, but on the floor under the table in the booth we were in. Like, Brilliant. she was, like, curled up like a cat. Like, oh, it was an evening. But this Rolf and Zoot number was just giving me these vibes. I was like, I'm too sober for this UK spot. I need to be, like, slammed right now. I... To get us back slightly more on track, I did, like, it definitely had that sort of... <laughs> Feel free to cut that. I don't know if that's relevant. <laughs> it's fine. It's funny. <laughs> I've um, gone, like, so off. We've gone so off-piece today. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Ooh, off-piece, Emma. We never went skiing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Emma did in that boat neck top. <laughs> <laughs> no, Emma had a <laughs> Emma had a tragic skiing trip, and that's why she can no longer listen to the theme from Love Story. <laughs> But she won't tell us the anecdote, so we'll never know <laughs> Emma's mysterious trip to the Alps. <laughs> we'll coax it out of her eventually. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, to get back anyway, to the UK Kermit's spot. Anyway, Kermit's chat with Lena Horne. No, hold on. I just want to say about the UK spot. I really enjoyed the Oh interplay. God, what's more let us say? I don't have any more anecdotes. <laughs> no, I want to talk about the actual sketch. The, the interplay. What sketch? They played the stuff and then he cried right. at the end. Lewis. I'm fine. I really enjoyed the interplay between Rolf and Zoot. Rolf kept really looking at Zoot as he was playing. And he really felt like, again, we've, we talk about this a lot with Rolf, but he just seemed so into it. Rolf, the piano player, was loving it. And then at the end, when he got his little hanky out and he'd got all sad, like, I don't know, it was, it certainly wasn't the worst UK sport that we'd have. Like, at least it was totally inoffensive. And I didn't mind listening to them play the theme from Love Song. Like, it was fine. I'd rather that than them, like... Love Story. Oh, it is ten past nine. Honestly, that's fine. <laughs> Let's just say that I said Love Story and move on. <laughs> so, Lewis, what did you want to say about Lena Horne and the talk spot? <laughs> I was gonna, well, one, I thought it was an absolutely charming chat between Lena, Kermit, and then latterly Fozzie. I was worried when Fozzie came in and we sort of cut to a two shot of Kermit and Fozzie and we seemingly forgot about Lena and I was like please don't waste Lena Horn on this sketch or conversation you could have with Kermit and Fozzie anytime but then luckily they brought her back in I thought (laughs) I wrote down Lena's learned from old Hollywood how to placate sensitive men I really enjoyed it too. I thought it was really, really good fun. And it was nice to see, again, that interplay between Kermit and Fozzie that we sort of saw coming into its own last week with the sketch. But this week actually felt more like the sort of Kermit and Fozzie relationship, the backstage relationship that we're used Mm. to seeing where, you know, Fozzie's really leaning on Kermit. He sort of needs Kermit, but then he's also trying to be a star in his own right. And yeah, and I found it really funny, this idea that he didn't know who Lena Horne was and then didn't know who Doris Day was and was just really playing on with it. The one thing that I thought you would pick up on though, Lewis, was the fact that one of the things that Fozzie said is that he's from, his family are in show business. So he's another one who apparently comes from a a line of stars. But I don't think any of us could say that Fozzie has been given a leg up by his family in show business. Well, although to be fair, does Fozzie deserve a spot on the Muppet show given how terrible his performances have been other than like maybe one or two so far this season does he deserve to be on that All right, stage Jay, i'll put a pin in it i'll consider if <laughs> i put him onto my scooter wall of uh, entitlement <laughs> and nepotism we shall see let's see how it pans out obviously it's gonna pan out just fine we all love fuzzy but i just mean thus far you know thus far <laughs> <laughs> Look, Scooter's got a lot more tally points against him, to be honest. And there's another one for him this episode. We'll get there. Emma, what <laughs> do you think of uh, Kermit and Lena's chat? I thought it was really good, actually. I, Especially compared to some of the ones we've seen recently, I actually thought it was, like, really good interplay. And then, mm. obviously, once Fozzie comes in as well and it does, like, that, that whole bit, I just thought she kind of just played it really well and... It was just it was just funny and it was nice to see a bit of interaction. It wasn't just puns or just like a visual gag. It was just nice to see something with a little bit more depth to it and like 
actually using the guest star and like her personality and like obviously she played along with it and I think it was just nice to see her having a bit of a, a joke and a laugh and interact with um Kermit and Fozzie so yeah I, I really liked it this week I thought it was really good mm, despite the fact it's obviously scripted she made it feel incredibly natural oh yeah definitely and it really let her shine compared to other chat spots we've had where it feels like the guest is constrained by whatever the joke or setup is meant to be or for example the Joel Grey episode where we barely got to hear him speak at all to the detriment of then being able to really get to know Joel this was a really perfect balance of a good beginning middle end of a sketch for a chat spot but also getting to understand and know and like Lena it was it was really great what a yeah what a what a showcase for what the chat spot can actually be when orchestrated well. And I also think she did a really good job of playing herself. Like she allowed herself to laugh at Kermit and Fozzie when they obviously were making her giggle. But then she also sort of got back to the point of the sketch afterwards too. And you could see that kind of interplay between, yes, hitting the beats and hitting the right notes of the sketch as it was obviously meant to be, but also just Lena Horne actually just having fun on The Muppet Show, which to me was what was sort of missing from the I Got A Name number, although I granted it was obviously meant to be a more serious number. But I was so pleased when we got to the talk spot and then really everything after this with with the number with Gonzo and with the final sing number. She seemed to be loving it. She seemed to be having so much fun. It's what you want as a guest Mm. on The Muppet Show and what you want as an audience member. And I also really liked at the end when she didn't like Kermit's joke and she was like, cute joke. And she just sort of threw it away. And Was that scripted? I feel like that probably wasn't scripted. I feel like that was her just riffing. You think it was? Oh, I think it it was. I think she's just a very good actress. (laughs) She just sold it. She did. We we can do that. We? I'm an actress. <laughs> <laughs> With Lena Horne. I'm not saying we're on the same level, but we are in the same industry, okay? <laughs> Let's move on. And then we see the Swedish chef again. Yay! He's back! Yay! I let out a little cheer when he popped up. We haven't seen him in ages. No, we haven't seen him forever. Oh, and it was so good. So good. The killer spaghetti. I mean, it was genius, absolute <laughs> genius, because obviously you start off with it on the bowl, sorry, plate, and it's kind of like moving a little bit, and you're like, okay, and then he has a bit of interaction with it. It kind of moves to the side, and he gets it to come back, and then he tells it off, gives it a little bop, and then it just goes crazy. It, like, attacks him, <laughs> tries to choke him, he falls backwards. It's just a- an absolute genius sketch. It took me a really long time to work out how they were quite puppeteering the spaghetti, which feels stupid but i was like is it just a hand buried in there that they're moving and shuffling across and then i was like or oh, maybe it's a str-. and then i was like oh maybe it's string just going that way or it's on a on a stick but then when it like leapt yeah. onto the swedish chef but then even after it jumped onto him a little bit on the plate then sort of jumped off its own free will i was like how did they do that <laughs> it was very very clever mm. and i also i don't know how you two both felt but Obviously, it's the first time we've seen where, like, the food has attacked him mm. or or had that interplay. So I was really surprised when the spaghetti started moving. Like, I genuinely, both times I watched it, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was really, really well done. The timing was impeccable. But also, it was just the surprise factor mm. of, that's a moving bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> like, We're slowly getting to the point where the 
sentient food that we've seen on one side of the Muppet show and the Swedish chef are slowly coming together yeah. into the same slowly, realm. Slowly, slowly. So the spaghetti yeah. didn't talk, it didn't have eyes, but it had a soul <laughs> and a drive. Vengeance. It had attitude. <laughs> yeah, vengeance. <laughs> Vendetta. <laughs> Uh, so eventually, I feel like we're going to get the meeting of, uh, you know, some talking French toast and Swedish chef or a sentient it's banana. Coming. It's they're, they're slowly coming together and I can't wait. It's going to be like Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong. Like, who knows? Who will win? <laughs> it's going to be, it's definitely going to be fun to see him interacting with some of these sassy pieces of food <laughs> that we've already met. <laughs> I was really charmed by the next little bit with Gonzo. I mean, Gonzo's obviously still a bit sad and a bit mopey and is still in his artist, artist in residence phase. Yeah. But uh, the, um, the, I mean, I was quite glad we didn't get to see him do Pop Goes the Weasel with a surprise ending. I was a bit worried. About, <laughs> I, I assumed it was going to be an explosion of some description. I was like, we've had enough. Thank you. Um, but like, I really enjoyed Animal coming on and biting the balloon. It felt totally in character for animal to just be like yes balloon go bang yeah like yes that's i'm gonna do that and then to then have that lead into gonzo having a lovely song with i'm glad there is you with lena horn in her dressing room was just delightful it was really lovely we essentially get a b plot yeah so we're not relying on one runner to sort of thread all of this backstage business and it's brilliant and it's and it's kind of mad that it's taken them so long to start thinking oh we could have more than one story going on backstage mm-hmm. and to use our guest as the conduit for these two plots to either be the springboard for Miss Piggy is wondering why she isn't getting a number because Lena is and then this one Lena gives advice to Gonzo who we've just seen bomb on stage it's it's perfect and it now makes me understand after you said uh, a week or two ago, Jade, when apparently we're not going to get the chat segment mm. anymore with the guests. And I was like, oh, well, that seems a shame. But now if we're going to be using the guests this way, where we've got them backstage yeah. chatting to Muppets and not just a formal onstage thing where they have to be stuck by a joke or a setup, which we've found quite limiting, then I'm all for it. Like, bring it on because this was lovely. Also, I think you can really lean into the star's persona or if they've got a particular thing that they want to do, you can really lean into this in a much more natural way than if you're on a bench with Kermit, you know, because there's a, there's you're, you're very limited, aren't you, in terms of what you can do in that formal talk show kind of setting. Whereas this, you know, you could be anywhere in the theatre. You could obviously do it with any of the Muppets. You could sing any song. <laughs> There's, it's, yeah. there's almost infinite possibilities in terms of what, what direction you could take this in. Um, Emma, did you notice that Lena has the specific old Hollywood open-mouthed smile? <laughs> like <laughs> I did, I did. I, I honestly thought a lot of her like on-screen behaviour was like watching Starlet School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look to the middle distance, do the like glassy eyed no blinking look do the like Lean. little side kind yeah. of framing the face everything but no i i agree i thought it was a really it was a really lovely number actually it was like really beautiful to see gonzo and lena together doing their duet and they had their little matching outfits she had another gorgeous blouse kimono thing on it was 
lovely like chinese pajamas almost like the and, way it, it, was and it was obviously she'd obviously chosen it to go with gonzo's colors as well like it, they looked so lovely together yeah. on screen no but do you know what i mean like there's been other other guests that yeah, yeah yeah the muppets are quite distinctive colors aren't they and if you don't pick your outfit well you can absolutely clash with the colors that are going on but this like this was just delightful. It was delightful to look at. It was delightful to listen to. It was delightful to watch. And she was also really like nuzzling Gonzo's hair and his head. And then they were really cuddling in together. And it was very, very cute. Lewis, why are you giggling? Well, because I wrote down in my notes when they started cuddling and nuzzling. And then also just Gonzo's <laughs> singing voice. I did write down, this has slight Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett <laughs> jazz album vibes. <laughs> With Lena being Lady Gaga and Gonzo being Tony Bennett, which is ironic because I then found out in my research that Lena Horne and Tony Bennett <laughs> toured together in the 70s, like doing a nightclub act. Oh, it's like the circle of life. <laughs> Isn't it just? But yeah, that kind of, I just thought it was funny. But no, just what a, yeah, what a great, what a great little peace to have in this already good episode a really lovely message that she said to gonzo before she started singing about you know if even one person appreciates your art to keep going <laughs> like it just <laughs> it was it was again finishing with like the sesame street number there was a wholesomeness to this episode which there was feels muppety but also does feel quite sesame streety in terms of like yay people it's a wholesomeness related to letting your freak flag fly but also letting your creative soul yes. <laughs> sing. Yeah. I'm going to congratulate you on saying letting your freak flag fly as well, because... Oh, thank you. That was hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to attempt that. No, you stay away, Emma, stay away. <laughs> I paid damn good money for this elocution. <laughs> it's hard to beat out those Southampton vowels. <laughs> Jay, who should be beaten, and was quite rightly beaten in the following scene, Scooter by Miss Piggy. <laughs> Another reason why he shouldn't be in show business. No tact, no understanding, foolish. I do feel for him though, because he was obviously just following Kermit's lead of saying ruthless, merciless and cruel. And you can roll your eyes all you like, but I think Kermit... I will. Kermit, you could argue that Kermit set him up as the fall guy so that Piggy <laughs> Piggy had a go at him first. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's quite a typical Scooter response, isn't it? Although it maybe feels quite... It does feel sort of extra naive compared to maybe what we would expect of Scooter now. But he does kind of just like say what he sees and repeat stuff. And he's an idiot. Is what... Well, yeah, I was going to say simple. No, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just need an episode for you to, to come back on the Scooter train, Lewis. I'm sad. I'm Surely sad. you should have just called it the Scooter Scooter. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Fine, the Scooter Scooter. <laughs> We can check in every week now and be like, Lewis, are you back on the scooter scooter yet? <laughs> <laughs> the wheels are off the scooter scooter. It was fun to see Piggy just attack though, wasn't it? It was It was nice <laughs> to see. I don't remember Piggy being so keen on stomping people when they're already down. <laughs> but I love it. 
I think it's fantastic. I'm waiting for it to spit on somebody afterwards. Like, it's truly like... <laughs> we definitely heard a lot of hi yeah. yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Maybe the stomping was a 70s special. Like, you know, <laughs> just in, a, in terms of what was culturally appropriate at the time. Look, if Piggy, like, if that butcher shop that she escaped from was based in New York in the 70s, I mean, God knows what sight she must have seen in that cesspit of a town <laughs> before she escaped. <laughs> And and then we move on to Fozzie's monologue, which uh, I don't know. I kind of feel a little bit like we went backwards in terms of it was like going back to the really bad puns. And it was it was kind of it was a bit of a shame, really, because he was so good in the last episode. And it was finally like an actual kind of bit of character development for him. And for some reason we've kind of just gone taken a, a step back and gone back into the like the puns and the one-liners and that ah mm. moments uh, i mean i don't know how you guys felt about it this week i thought it was awful <laughs> i thought it was absolutely terrible i was so disappointed uh Stantler and Bordoff had the upper hand the whole time resulting in Fozzie's final line of senior citizens one bear zero and I was like yes Fozzie you've completely lost this one I thought it was so bad and then I also noticed on my second watch that they obviously didn't think it was great either because they weren't even 100% sure where to put the laugh track on it after he made that first joke about the Japanese actor name which I'm not going to try and recreate here there's like this very gentle hubbub of noise one as if they know it's not really that funny no one would have laughed that hard but two it's in a weird place timing wise like they weren't entirely sure where the punchline fell because there was no punchline because it just wasn't funny yeah i thought it was awful the weird japanese actor no smoking jokes the marcel marceau balancing on one leg and then balancing on no legs the only good thing i can say about that was Frank Oz did a very good job of bringing Fozzie down when he fell over when he was on no legs. That was it. That was the only bit of the act that I enjoyed was Fozzie falling over. Yeah. It was well puppeted. But other than that, I I was so disappointed. I not I mean I didn't I didn't get my hopes up too high after last week because I did think maybe it was still a little bit early and they were still figuring some bits out, but I thought it was going to be better than this. I wasn't really focusing on Fozzie, if I'm honest. I was really just paying attention to Statler and Waldorf because they were far mm. more entertaining. I did write down the line, he's either brilliant or that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> was a really nice line. <laughs> um, you're right. Compared to where what we saw from Fozzie in the Harvey Corman episode, it was a shame to see it go back to this well, which we know... <laughs> draws no comedic water but um this well is dry has been for a while has been declared a drought zone by the un (laughs) and needs to be left well alone it's horrendous oh yeah it also just seems such a shame after fozzy had a really good bit in the talk spot they're still doing that character development work but then with this episode we have it alongside all these terrible puns like just it feels like at this point they're still stuck in the concept they're stuck in, this is the bit where Fozzie goes out and he gets ridiculed by the audience. And they haven't really caught on to the fact that that isn't a winner. So maybe they had one it's moment with Harvey, working. but as we sort of know from your sort of anecdote that you found, they found that very last minute. So obviously if they 
maybe they have to find it again. Do you know what I mean? Rather than just being like a lightning in a bottle one moment. Yeah. And also I think it's just about learning from it. Exactly. Like it's, it's looking back at that lightning in a bottle and saying, okay, why did that work? Why was that actually really successful? And why isn't this successful? Because I just refuse to believe that a 1970s audience was falling over themselves at this material. They they weren't. They can't possibly have been. I mean, maybe they were laughing slightly more than we are, but they weren't falling over themselves of it. They had faulty towers in the 70s, for God's sake. Like, you know, <laughs> Python existed. They knew what funny was. It's fine. <laughs> they know funny. Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. We get a couple of little moments backstage. One, Lena trying to get the key to her dressing room. (laughs) I thought this was really funny for one of the little, like the tiny little skits that we get. This was actually a pretty decent one with Animal and the Mallet, I thought. I'd love to know if we actually tried to tune, uh, like held up a tuning device, (laughs) whether she did actually hit a B flat. I wonder if that might be slightly beyond the 1970s to get that kind of uh, accuracy. But yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And the um, what it leads into with then the the backstage, the final bit of our backstage runner plot with Piggy, just sort of, I just wrote down again, it's properly Piggy. It just every time she came on, I was like, oh, I know it's the Piggy I know and love. Like, yay. I loved her saying to Kermit, you're the monster. And then calling him <laughs> El Greeno, which I just thought was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, that like... was really funny. That was really she's funny. She's in her element. You're right, Lewis. She's like, she's found herself now, hasn't she? She's there. But then, why in God's name would Piggy then agree to be a chorus member in the back of Lena's song? That's what I wondered too, to be honest. Yeah. I was waiting for her to edge forward and like... <laughs> I don't know, chuck Lena into the piano or push the piano to crush Lena or something. It's like, why would she be there? But, you know, that's the only bit of continuity that cropped up for me. I wonder if in future seasons we'll see more of, like, the backstage stuff having a real impact on the actual songs and sketches and things. Mm. Like, to that extent where Piggy either wouldn't turn up or Piggy would turn up, but she'd be really annoyed or she'd be like trying to go off stage or push her way to the front or whatever whereas obviously I think still at this point it was probably like they just recorded it and then they tried to figure out where in the episode it was going to sit what was the name of the song that Lena sang it's just called sing this unlocked like some kind of dormant memory in my head because I knew the tune of this song despite the fact that I haven't heard it anywhere in years and I can only assume I heard it from watching Sesame Street as a kid because when they got to the la la la's I was like I know the tune of these la la la's you know there's a children's tv show that I really enjoy maybe you've heard of Sesame Street (laughs) anyway here's one of my favorite songs from that show sing sing a song Sing out loud, sing out strong. Sing of good things, not bad. Sing of happy, not sad. Your whole life long. Don't worry that it's 
Emma, did you ever watch Sesame Street? I never remember you being downstairs at the same time as me in the mornings. No, I wasn't there when you were taught to turn the TV on early in the morning. I was still asleep at that point. (laughs) (laughs) I would be an excitable early riser as a child. Not anymore. That was the same as me, Lewis, to be honest. I was the same. So mum and dad just taught me to go downstairs and turn the TV on and watch it quietly. Yeah. I mean, great parenting. I would do exactly the same. You wouldn't even have to go downstairs now. You'd just be like, turn the tablet on and shush. (laughs) Put your Bluetooth headphones in. (laughs) Don't choke on it. Um, The other thing that you might know this song from, Lewis, is the Carpenters actually covered it as well. And uh, it's more I of a mama's and Barbara papa's sh- mad myself. <laughs> okay, okay. And I also saw that um, Barbara Streisand included it in a medley with... Now, now you're speaking more my language. <laughs> yeah. There we get into the more campus side of things. <laughs> with Make Your Own Kind of Music. Which is a mama's and papa's song. There you go then. There we go. So she was doing a little carpenter's mama's and papa's thing. How weird that I should mention mama's and papa's. Emma, what did you think of this number? I thought it was really good. I thought it was very sweet. And I loved her, like, kind of princess 70s vibe she was going for. Like, she had a little dress kind of with the big sleeves. And, yeah, I just, I thought it was really sweet, especially when she kind of had her, like, little trio of singers with her and Fozzie and Kermit. And I thought it was just a nice kind of jolly song to end the episode with. Because I know we've had quite a few episodes, actually, with a bit of a sort of sad melancholy song ending and it was actually quite nice to kind of finish on a high on like a jolly quite sweet happy song so no i i really enjoyed it this week it was it was really really good all of lena's songs were actually quite sincere Mm. but weirdly unlike other weeks where we've had guests sing a sincere song where there's not really any jokes in the actual singing of the song like the muppets are just there as either people listening or duetting I didn't feel like I'd been shortchanged. I didn't actually miss a Muppety twist. Because I think that because, you know, you had Gonzo singing with her and then in this you had Kermit and Fozzie. So there was still enough interaction rather than the Mm, Muppets just being passive. Also in this you had Rolf playing the piano, which again I really enjoyed. He kept sort of looking up at her and Mm. checking in on her and he seemed to be really enjoying the song yet again. What song doesn't Rolf like? That would be a great question. If I ever met Rolf, I would definitely ask him that. Anyway. Okay. The musical Cats. <laughs> it's not a... Cat Stevens. It's not a Jellicle fan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about cats. I don't want to talk about cats. Um, no, yeah. It's too late to talk about cats. <laughs> <laughs> Way too late. Um, I completely agree. It was lovely to finish it on this really joyous note. And she seemed to be really enjoying it. And I also just... Again, I feel like we've we've found something that works, which is Muppets singing songs with the guest and it not having to necessarily have a crazy comedic twist. It can just be as sweet as, you know, our favourite Muppets singing along. It makes me question again, why did not Will Comen or Razzle mm. Dazzle work in the Joel Grey episode? Because, I mean, essentially that's the same thing. The Muppets were just singing with him. Those both fell completely flat. Whereas I loved this. Mm. What I just, I, yeah, it's a, such a strange alchemy that makes a number in the Muppet Show work, and I, and I, I don't know if we've quite got a complete formula yet, but I, 
I really, really liked this episode. I feel like there's something with Wilkerman with they were still sat at tables and he was still sort of performing. Like he was the But then again in you know, in all three of Lena's numbers, she's either standing and the other ones are sitting and or sitting with, you know, Gonzo or another Muppet. Like there wasn't really there was a lot less movement in these numbers compared to Joel moving about and all the freaking wipes and <laughs> like explosions and lights that happened in that hot mess. Mm. I mean, I wonder if it's to do with the presence, mm. like her presence on screen. Mm. Because to be completely honest, like Joel Grey, I didn't get anything off him. Like I, do you know what I mean? She just had star quality. She had a warmth as right. well though, didn't she? Yeah, she had a warmth. Yeah. And even though, like you said, there wasn't really any gimmicks, she was, well, pretty much sat down for all her songs. I think because she had a warmth and she had a genuine star quality and you could, you know, you could feel her really, like, getting involved and, like, in the song and it, it sort of raised the bar on the quality of the performances. And I think if you had someone else sing those songs but they were very, like, one-dimensional and not particularly interactive or very like expressive or had a genuine vibe kind of coming warmness coming out of them i don't know if necessarily it might have worked Mm. for a different performer i think you're right i definitely do feel like she just has something she has like a little light that's kind of shining out and she doesn't have to overdo it or like overplay it or rely on i know we said that she sang one of the songs that she was well known for but it wasn't she wasn't relying on a character she was playing or a part she was playing she was just kind of coming across as really genuine it's the power of looking into the middle distance <laughs> no but then she didn't do that for these other ones did she and they were the I ones know, for me that kidding. really worked no no but i think it's there's there's there obviously is something in that about it's not just the setup and what the muppets are doing it is very much about the guest and what they bring to the episode mm compare this to last week with harvey who didn't even do a song you know it was just all skits and sketches it it makes for such a different episode doesn't it i mean it's not quite an entirely different show but it almost is this feels chalk and cheese this episode to the last couple that we've had i think yeah she really brought it and i'm i'm really really pleased to see that actually after a few weeks of some bumpy bumpy episodes and bumpy numbers they've kind of found it again and also it does just feel like it's all mm. coming together a lot better you know with the with the backstage and then like you said lewis with the b plots and then also actually just with making the most of your guest star and really bringing that to the fore it's it's exciting i'm going to bring the general chat of the episode to a close with just one note in the goodbyes lena pushing to make sure miss piggy gets a number next week women supporting women <laughs> <laughs> And I bet Lena had to learn that in Hollywood as well, because nobody else is going to look out for you. <laughs> so kudos to Lena. It was really sweet that she did that, I thought. Really, really sweet. It was a nice, nice little touch. And also, I really hope next week Miss Piggy does get her number. Yeah, and also, did you notice that Hilda said the goodbye as well? She like yes. rolled up on stage yeah. and was like, goodbye. <laughs> I think that's the first time Kermit hasn't done that. Yeah, I noticed that. I thought it was really cute. And I also was just like, I was like, good for you, Hilda. Like, you obviously went and switched that iron off and now you're out for the goodbyes. It's all coming up, Hilda. Like, having a great day. I wonder, it's all coming up, Hilda. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when Hilda's going to disappear. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously we just don't know her as a Muppet now. Will it be 
season two? Will she be there for all five seasons and then never seen of again? Who knows? The Hilda mystery coming to Netflix. <laughs> True crime. <laughs> right. Anyway, enough nonsense. I think it's time for us to uh, get to our most valued Muppet performer of the week. I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> Let's keep it brief, everybody, because it's probably all the same answer. Emma, <laughs> you can go first. Well, mine is going to be Gonzo. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I just loved his little duet with Lena. I just mm-hmm. thought it was so good and so sweet. And like she believed in him and gave him a little boost she of confidence. Did. And it was super cute. And I just feel like he is starting to develop a little bit more, which is really nice to see. So, yeah, I think my MVMP for this week is going to be Gonzo. How about you, Jade? Well, Lewis, I don't think we are going to be three for three on who you <gasps> think. Because I'm going with the spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was genuinely the thing that made me laugh the most in the whole episode. And I just thought it was really, really clever for all the reasons we've already said. I thought it was really, really clever puppetry. But also I just loved the interplay with Swedish Chef. And it's really, you know, it was delightful to see Swedish Chef back. But it was also delightful to see that actually the food is turning on Swedish Chef. (laughs) And he's, he's not just shooting things anymore. They are actually attacking him i loved the spaghetti i thought it was great lewis who's wonder who yours your mvmp is going to be i feel so validated for having waited to give my mvmp to miss piggy yeah this is the pig i've been waiting for (laughs) sassy dramatic sexy demure stomping faces and karate chopping love it she's here She's ready to win and steal this show out from everybody else. Fantastic. What a joy. <sighs> Vindication. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to our uh, rankings for the week. I'm going to reverse the order. Jade, what would you give this episode out of 10? I'm going to give this episode seven B-flat screams out of mm-hmm. 10. <laughs> that's with an asterisk because that's not verified that that's definitely a B flat, but hey ho, we're going to go with it. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. I think to me it's, it's on that par with, that's what I gave the Rita Moreno episode all those many moons ago. And to me, it's on a par with Rita's episode. I think Lena completely brought it. Um, she was great. There were a few moments in it that I didn't totally love. And I think, you know, we've seen episodes that have been on the whole better you know, as a complete episode. But actually, it's all really, as I just said a minute ago, it's all really coming together and it's all really getting there. I did thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm just relieved that we seem to be sort of back on track after a a little bit of a wobble recently. I think the Piggy Runner, I loved starting with the mops. Um, It was great to see Swedish Chef back. And yeah, just finishing on a high note was lovely. As much as I loved Robin last week, like it was lovely mm. to to finish on a note of joy and happiness. So yeah, seven B-flat screams out of 10. Lewis, how about you? What are you rating? Yeah, I'm mixing it up now too. What is happening? <laughs> I'm going to go also for seven. I'm going to do seven Lena Horn costume changes. <laughs> I think it was just a really narratively strong mm-hmm. episode and excellently structured. Not every uh, sketch worked. I mean, yeah, you've you've pretty much covered what did and didn't work, to be honest. But I just really appreciated 
utilizing the guest to move both an A plot and a B plot along, how that drove everything forward. We weren't just getting stuck on crap puns. It was comedic interplay or character development, which then sometimes fed onto the stage and then sometimes it didn't. It was not perfect. And yeah, I've ranked it lower than my Rita episode, which I think I put an eight. And Mm. I think I also put... uh, Connie? No, Connie. So I'm putting it just below that. But it's in terms of just like watchable television leagues higher than some of the other episodes we've watched which have felt like such a slog so yeah seven lena horn costume changes out of ten emma what would you give the episode well i think it's going to be a clean sweep for the sevens because i'm going to give it seven plates of spaghetti out of ten <laughs> yay! yay um i think you both pretty much covered what i was going to say i think it was a good episode to watch like you said it it hasn't been like some of the ones we've watched previously which have been a bit of a drag and been a kind of mishmash of like skits and sketches <laughs> to fill time and i felt like lena was a really strong guest host i felt like all the bits she was in were really really good and i also really loved the character development of gonzo and also i just thought it was it was really lovely like there were fewer kind of bits chucked in and it was nice to see Swedish Chef again. So yeah, I'm going to rate it a seven for this week. Sevens across the board. Jade, why don't you close us out with a little Muppet philosophy this week? I shall. So this is taken from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. I'm going to read you a little snippet of text and then a little, a tiny little quote from Henson, which I think speaks nicely to this episode and what we've all been saying about how things feel like they're coming together and everything seems to be working. So Jim believed that puppetry, especially the Muppet brand of puppetry, required the same kind of serious time and training that great actors devoted to their craft. He said, Muppet operators must be good actors, good technicians, preferably good singers, and occasionally good dancers. It's like being a television star by proxy. And I think we see that. We're starting to see that, aren't we? I think. Absolutely. And it took a star like Lena Horn to bring it out of them. Thank you, Lena Horn. <laughs> Definitely. I'm like, I'm so glad that she did the show. A cracking episode of television. And I'm sorry you didn't EGOT with it, Lena, but it was still great in my book. You deserved it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com. And you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us on this (laughs) rip-roaring After Dark episode (laughs) when it really ran the gamut of Muppetsational. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jay Turner. If you've made it this far, well done. <laughs> and I've been Emma Chandler. Oh, I don't envy whoever has to edit this one. Oh, wait, <laughs> it's me! <laughs> we shall see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational! Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram did i write down the name of the other song i don't know if i wrote down the name of the other song that she did the medley with people people who need people are the luckiest people in the
just chuck that on at the end as a treat for people who listen after the credits. <laughs> <laughs> what a treat. <laughs>